This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. Support for MPB comes from Trustmark, a financial partner for businesses throughout the South for 130 years. Trustmark offers a range of products and services designed to help small businesses efficiently manage finances. More info at Trustmark.com, member FDIC. Radio, this is Bunny Talks. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Nancy Lotridge Anderson, president of New Perspectives and Ryder Taft Portfolio Manager at New Perspectives. Nancy and Ryder are both chartered financial analysts, and Ryder holds the Certificate in Investment Performance Measurement from the CFA Institute. Nancy and Ryder often give advice on what to do with your money, but today they're going to remind you some things not to do with your savings, investments, or retirement funds. And as always, we're looking for your personal finance questions as well. So good morning. Hope that you're both doing well this morning. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. All right, we're going to start out with a little bit of trivia. Today, Whoa. February 25th, something happened that has a big impact on personal finance. Who can guess what it is? Hmm. Like today in 2020? No, 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 no. Like... 1913. Oh. 1913, the Federal Reserve? No. Close, though. Okay. Um... An amendment was passed, the 16th Amendment. Oh, taxes. Graduated income tax. Yes, That's it. Income yep, tax. Yep, yep. Yay, it's tax season. So that's uh, 13. That's what? It's uh, 90 something years, I guess, right? No, no, it's more than that, isn't it? Yeah, it's uh, like 97 years. Yeah, wow. So we've been. Ooh. Uncle Sam's been yep. taking in that money for that long. Put it on your calendar for 2023, the 100th anniversary <laughs> of paying income taxes. And it was very small, I think, if I'm remembering when it first started. It affected, I, I believe, kind of the history of income taxes is it usually if started affecting just folks at the top, a very few mm-hmm. number of folks. Um, but, of course, once you realize you need it for kind of a general, because it was always like, you know, war funding or some, oh, we just need a little bit more money. Uh, but, you know, now it's such a big part of the federal revenue. And to make it a big, consistent part of the federal revenue, you need a big, consistent body of people. And uh, so, yeah, that's why, that's why pretty much everybody kind of chips in now. All right. And actually, though, it did, it, it authorized a graduated income tax. I'm not sure. I don't know the history. It might have not been until maybe 1914 that it actually came into effect. But anyway, 16th Amendment ratified February 25th, 1913. Uh, other financial news in the news, the Dow Jones Industrial Average dropped more than 1,000 points uh, to 27,960. Uh, 1,000 points just isn't what it used to be, is it? Yeah, but it was still it was still a little bit unnerving it was, yesterday. It was, it was the biggest drop we've had in, I think, someone said maybe two years or the I mean, of a similar magnitude in about two years. So, yeah. And I think uh, there was uh, speculation this morning on the news that uh, the coronavirus uh, has something to yes, do with it. Yes, it had a big uh, part in this because there was news over the weekend this could possibly be a pandemic. And when you use a word like that, then that means a slowdown everywhere. And we certainly are seeing um, the Chinese economy slowing dramatically, and it's also affecting uh, supply chains. Um, so it's not just people are pulling in, but we're also seeing disruption in supply. And so all of this means we're not sure what this will mean for companies' earnings. Um, There's great concern that it will spread. And, you know, it could be a temporary situation or we could see this go on for a while. So as money managers, what would you what sort of general advice would you give when something like this happens where there's like a huge drop uh, in the Dow Jones or there's nervousness in in the financial community? 
Oh, I was thinking of what do we say with about the coronavirus. I was just going to say wash your hands um, and, and clean surfaces like we did this morning with the table. Thank you. Thank you, producer Liz. Um, but as far as... So I'm, I'm kind of backing up and looking at this whole year. Um, this whole year being what? We're almost... Two months in. Uh, Not very now. far. Thank goodness we have the short month here. We're, we're getting real close here. Um, but this kind of, I was just I was just looking at it, and a drop yesterday of about 3%, it wiped out a lot of the gains of February. Um, it wiped out a lot of the gains of the whole year. We're basically flat for the year now. Um, so one thing, you know, just that single initial drop um, is caused by a lot of panic because there have to be a lot of orders coming in to sell, and that's why they drop so sharply. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, but you want to make sure that uh, whatever your plan is in place, you know, are, you know, is, you know, are these, you know, large cap stocks or whatever, whatever has dropped a lot, is that still appropriate for you? Um, and, you know, over the long term, um, also looking at what else is your portfolio invested in uh, as, as kind of ways to say, you know, look, we we invest, you know, we invest in long, large cap stocks for the long term, uh, but we are aware they can be volatile. We are aware these drops can happen. That's why not everybody has all of that all the time. And uh, as Ryder said, you go back and look at your plan. And is this plan appropriate? And most of the time we, we feel like, oh, yeah, I can handle risk until mm-hmm. you have a day like yesterday. And then suddenly some people who thought, you know, I can I can manage the stock market, find that they are not really comfortable in all of that. So there's a good time to kind of check your pulse on that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but stick to the plan. What we did in our office is for people that we had coming in with new money, and we were gradually pushing some of that money in, this was a day for us to accelerate that plan. Because, okay, uh, this could go on, we could have further drops, but a big drop like this uh, represents an opportunity as well. Yeah, and, and just as well, unless you are investing every single penny that shows up every single day, you know, your portfolio is going to accumulate some cash. Um, you know, your savings account is going to accumulate some cash. And if your plan is to still continue buying stocks, then, you know, uh, yesterday was a slightly better day to buy stocks than uh, the Friday before. Um, so, you know, again, as long as that's still appropriate for you, take advantage of it. This is the shortest month of the year, but also it is a day longer because it's leap yes, year. Yes, it's leap year. That's right. So February 30th. 29th. Sorry. Yeah. 29th. February 31st. That's uh, right. Tune in <laughs> next <laughs> February 31st for our next show. And we'll be giving show. away a million dollars on the air. <laughs> <laughs> to everybody that calls in. Okay. Uh, we're going to be talking about some uh, investment vehicles, uh, financial vehicles, and getting Nancy and Ryder's opinion on if they are good ones. But first, we have a couple of emails to get to. And the first one says, my question is about debt. I have around $40,000 in debt total and have received several letters about how to consider Consolidated. Some of them offered what appeared to be a good deal, uh, which got me thinking, should I consolidate my debt into one loan? 24 years old, just trying to monitor my debt to build better credit for a house in the future, wants to buy one when he is 30. The only thing I have is a 2019 vehicle purchased last year. Wow. I'm thinking a 24-year-old with $40,000 in debt. That's a lot. My guess is it's student loans. Probably. Maybe, maybe there's some yeah. maybe there's some credit cards. So my first uh, question when somebody says, I have this much in debt, well, what kind of debt? Mm-hmm. 
Um, is it unsecured debt, as in credit cards, student loans, personal loans, or is it secured debt, like it's my car and that's how I get to work, or it's my house? Uh, I'm not as concerned about that. And then the second question is, what is the interest rate mm-hmm. on all of that debt? You know, sit down and look at that, and what are you paying for that? And is that reasonable in light of market rates, which are pretty low right now, or is this an opportunity if if a consolidator is offering you this to put it into a lower interest loan? That's a possibility, but be careful about fees because often mm-hmm. they will charge you two to three percent just to do this. Yeah, I mean, look at not only the interest rate that they're offering you, but the fees. Like Nancy said, you know, are there upfront fees to get this done, and also the terms. Um, you know, if this is student loan debt, you know, maybe some of it's at three to six percent. That might be pretty good to uh, just let it be. And you might even get offered to consolidate that at a lower interest rate. I doubt that a consolidation company that's just mailing you um, unsolicited is going to offer you a very good rate. Uh, You probably have to be in a pretty dire situation for that to actually be appealing. But consider that they may have more onerous terms than the student loan debt. Student loan debt, you know, you can you can do forbearance if you just can't pay it. Uh, you can do income-based repayments that will make the payment so that it should be affordable to you, uh, so long as they're federal loans. Um, there's a lot of different programs for structuring your payments a little differently. Um, but a consolidator, you know, they might be like, okay, great, we'll put you on. It is just one easy payment every month. But if you miss it, we're really going to come down on you hard. Um, whereas, you know, even keeping it in a credit card, at least, you know, you can kind of set up your own payment plan. You can negotiate with your own credit card provider um, and you can set up your own payment plan where you're like, okay, well, you know, maybe I can afford $200 a month on this. Uh, But if there is a month where you can't, you're not, they do charge you more interest if you, you know, but they do have a minimum payment, uh, so you do have a little more flexibility there. But it really depends on the type of debt, um, and, and the first place to tackle it, you know, if you haven't actually been looking at this comprehensively a lot, is you know, approach each individual lender and kind of see if you can get the best deal out of each of those first. All right, very good. If you have a question for our experts, you can also send an email to money at mpbonline.org. We'll continue our discussion on what not to invest in after the break. Did you hear about the guy in Minnesota who found a rare comic book in the wall of his house while renovating? We'll have that story for you. You're listening to Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. Hi, I'm Dr. Jimmy Stewart, Professor of Internal Medicine and Pediatrics at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. On the original Southern Remedy, we answer questions about all aspects of your health and share some of the latest medical information in the news. You can listen to the show on Wednesdays at 11 on MPB Think Radio, or you can subscribe to the podcast by searching for Southern Remedy on your preferred podcasting app. Information presented on Money Talks is meant to provide general information about the topics discussed and is not necessarily the opinion of Mississippi Public Broadcasting. The information presented does not create any type of relationship between the hosts and guests and the listening audience. Please consult a financial advisor or any other qualified professional for guidance about your personal finance questions. Welcome 
Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. Our website, moneytalks.mpbonline.org, is one way to hear past Money Talks broadcasts. You can also download the MPB Public Media app and listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand to all the MPB Think Radio shows. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Nancy Lotter-Janderson, President of New Perspectives and Ryder Taft Portfolio Manager at New Perspectives. David Gonzalez, who discovered a copy of Superman issue number one among newspapers used as insulation in a wall during a home renovation, sold the comic book for $175,000. That's unusual. Yes, wow. that is. Plus, I would have met, I, I, it's odd. Start that. tearing up your walls now. <laughs> it's the reason we all love to watch Antiques Roadshow. You know, it's that thing we find in the attic that our grandmother had. It reminds me of a movie I saw where there was, uh, I think they were in Australia. Anyway, there was a family that lived in a house, and supposedly some crook had buried some money there. And so uh, they begin to dig up the yard, and as the movie goes along, the father of the family eventually like completely guts the entire house looking for this non-existent money. So I don't know. The, the, the Superman comic book in the wall made me think of that. Uh, we've got a call to get to and an email, so let's begin by saying hello to John, who's called in from Bolton. Good morning, John. What do you have? for us hey yes i had a quick question about uh manual underwriting for mortgages uh so i want to try to stay away from being in debt or owing money to anyone for that matter be it like credit cards and stuff like that but then you can't get you know your fico score how would you go about uh manual underwriting and is that something that would be advised to do if you want to live without that. So what you're saying is, are, are you trying to get a mortgage when you don't really have a credit history? Yeah, so uh, still paying bills and everything else like that, but I haven't gone through uh, like larger situations. Like I had a, uh, I did get a vehicle, but it was through a small bank and they don't report apparently mm. the credit information saying that I have been paying it off well and have you have you pulled a copy of your credit history uh, no, no. I, I was trying to get that information but there's like nothing there and I'm not okay. I'm young so I'm not as knowledgeable on it but. well I, I think it's going to be important especially if you need to make a larger purchase like a mortgage that you need to build some credit history and the easiest way to do that is to go to a bank and take out a loan that is a secured loan where you say put a thousand dollars in a bank account and you take out a loan against the thousand it will cost you a little bit but not much um, and start to build a history on that Um, I'm not sure what you're discussing with a um, or asking about with a manual underwriting do you know so so yeah manual underwriting I I believe so you're referring to when a bank does an assessment on your credit worthiness but you don't have the the FICO credit history so they're looking at they're looking at things like your income you know the amount of your income the consistency of your income what's going to be really important one I think they're going to be very often they're going to be a little more conservative with these loans 
Two, these are going to be loans that they keep in-house. So not every bank does a whole lot of in-house lending. So does that mean they're going to charge a higher rate for them? Possibly. I would expect that. So, um, but I mean, again, if you don't have a credit score and you want to get a house, uh, well, I mean, you know, and you don't want to wait a couple of years of building your credit to get there, then yes, uh, this, this, it might be your only option. Um, but they're going to want to look at, um, how, how assured is your income going to come in the future? You know, if you've just been working part-time jobs, if you've been working for yourself, that's going to be a little sketchy. Um, but they want to see, you know, have you been receiving a consistent paycheck? Uh, what is the amount of that income? Uh, you know, because they're always going to want to look at the debt to income ratio. You know, how much is your repayment going to be as a part of your income? And let's see. Uh, they'll also, you know, if you have had bills that you've paid consistently, like you mentioned, that don't necessarily report to credit agencies, you know, uh, again, good history of uh, payment is really that's that's what the credit uh, report is. So you're just going to kind of want to gather all the documents that are going to make your own credit history, even though these aren't things that have been reported. Also, just the institution that you gonna that you go to is going to be important. Um, I don't know necessarily what larger. I, I tend to find smaller banks, um, so and credit unions uh, tend to offer a, a little bit more of this. Um, you know, they're just lending out of their own account. It's a little bit more of the kind of what people might think of as old school relationship banking. So, uh, if there's a bank you have a good relationship with. Start there. Um, if there's credit unions, uh, I know Hope Credit Union does mortgages for folks with very low credit scores. I don't know how much they venture into no credit score stuff. Um, and then I know some of the smaller, um, you know, Mississippi banks uh, like. Uh, um, well, just blanked on it. Um, Bank Plus, um, uh, Origin Banks out of Texas, but I know they do some in-house lending. Uh, so those might be two to uh, to give a try. Um, you know, and not as big. One option would be maybe if you go this route, and I would really expect them to charge you a higher rate, mm-hmm, probably, uh, and maybe have different even terms yep, on uh, a loan that you can do that now with the idea of building a credit score. So maybe in in four or five years, you're able to refinance on a traditional mortgage. Yeah. One uh, one thing I've seen uh, kind of often offered to folks who, you know, kind of in, in your situation might be something like, you know, a higher rate and a variable rate, uh, but with an opportunity to, after a couple of years of consistent payments, to refinance that into a traditional loan. Um, just because, you know, most folks write uh, loans that can be bought up by, you know, Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, Jenny Mac, the, the they fit those criteria, um, but if they don't have the documentation to back that up, then it's not going to fit those criteria, and they're, they're not going to be able to pass that along. All righty. Thank you so much. Good luck. Thanks, John, for your call. Here is an email that asks, can individuals still buy Jenny May pass-through bonds? And a Jenny May um, is a government agency bond. It is a mortgage-backed security. Government National Mortgage Agency. And um, you can buy those individual bonds. Uh, understand that they come in $25,000 increments. Um, you can also buy a mutual fund that invests in Jenny May. 
Mays with a smaller amount. With a Ginnie Mae, you need to understand because it's backed by a mortgage, every payment that you get is not just interest, but it also is principal. Mm -hmm. So by the time you get the last payment, that initial $25,000 is gone. And so a lot of people get confused by that. They think it's all interest. I'm going to spend and use it. And then suddenly their basic principal is gone. All right. Uh, we're going to be talking about uh, some some investments and get Nancy and Ryder's opinion on them. The first one that we'll bring up is precious metals such as gold or platinum. First of all, uh, kind of your general thoughts on that, and would this be appropriate for any type of investor? And if so, what kind of investor? Well, um, a precious metal investment is usually a fear play. Uh, it's what we're watching right now. So yesterday when the market, the stock market was dipping uh, dramatically, you saw the price of gold going up. If you look over a longer period of time, you will see that that tends to track inflation. And it's going to be in the 3 to 4% range. Um, but you will have these periods of time when they the precious metals will spike. The problem with precious metals, if you buy the actual metals, whether it, it's coins or bars, ingots, um, it, you're going to have a problem getting rid of them. Um, they're not liquid. You have to find somebody who deals in that. You, they're going to take a, a discount to sell all of that or a fee, and it's much more difficult. So if you're going to play in that game, I would encourage you to look at exchange-traded funds that invest in precious metals. Any thoughts, Ryder? Um, yeah, I was just going to echo that, you know, pr- particularly gold. I mean, that's just the gold standard. <laughs> um, you know, people do invest in it because it's rare. And yes, it's a a fear play, but also a sudden change. You know, it it's not so much, oh, you know, I want to protect myself against this 2% inflation we're having because you can go, you know, you can buy um, inflation protected bonds. You can, you can buy stocks. You can buy, you can find 2% somewhere else. Um, but it's, it, it's more, you know, I believe inflation expect chain, expectations may change a lot. You know, I'm anticipating much higher inflation in the future. That would really drive the value of gold a lot um, because that's, you know, it's a... Um, it's it's a hard asset. It's a real asset. It's that's where it's deriving its its value. Um, that and people's emotions. I remember once when we talked about this before. I think there is the, a gold vending machine, if I remember correctly. So you put some coin in there and get a gold bar out. Ah, <laughs> that's interesting. Put, wow. Probably put a lot of coin yeah, in there. Um, and, yeah, you know, Ryder probably Bring has had more of quarters. Uh, experience with with dealing with folks who show up mm-hmm. with. Uh, Coins of some coins, sort, and, bars, yeah. and often it's it's inherited. You know, dad passes away. We open up the safety deposit box, and oh my goodness, look what's in there! Um, and it's really hard to find somebody locally who can mm-hmm. purchase those and give you a true value. That's the advantage of a stock market that is well regulated and transparent. You know, you can sell those in seconds, but mm-hmm. gold takes a lot more effort. Yeah. All right. Uh, what about cryptocurrency? I know Bitcoin was kind of the hot thing for a while, but I don't haven't really heard much about it uh, recently. <laughs> There's a reason you haven't heard much about it recently. And I think isn't Facebook trying to come up with a digital currency, Lib- Libra perhaps, Libra? They, they now I'm not really sure what's going on with that project. Um, cryptocurrency is weird because I'm pretty sure there's about 10 million of them right now. Um, I'm not a cryptocurrency expert, but a lot of people um, are interested in cryptocurrency for reasons similar to folks interested in gold um, as a fear play of a like a place to put your money that the government can't get to um, that's a that's a big motivating factor there um, 
you know, some of them have some use, maybe, I think. I'm, I'm not super sure. Uh, because they, that that area is is got a long way to evolve. It's got a long way before you know you can just you know pay your your credit card bill in cryptocurrency. You can you know pay your taxes in Bitcoin. It, you know, so once we can once we can use it more, it might it might open itself up to analysis a little more. But right now, it's um it's very much just as folks come into it and put money into it, that's what's driving the market right now is just all that newness. Well, I think eventually we're going to get there. The idea is to have a currency that is not attached to one country or one economy, um, that it transcends borders. Why not the dollar? Well, you know, that's that transcends borders. been the case for a long time, but there are a lot of people who have other ideas about that. Uh, but I'm I'm really hesitant about it. Uh, Joseph Martin in our office, he's very high on cryptocurrency. Yeah, maybe and, we should um, get, maybe we'll we're do a show him, with him, him later. He'll come through and, and talk about that because he attended a seminar uh, recently, a TD Ameritrade uh, conference, and they talked about cryptocurrency. And I guess one of the bottom lines with the somewhat unusual investment vehicles is always do your homework make sure you you understand what you're what you're getting well into. the big thing I think is to understand um, what's liquid and what's not how quick or how mm-hmm. quickly can you convert this this thing to cash and so many of these things take a lot to convert to cash and you're going to take you know fees and discounts to get them to cash and I think you know you used the words uh, just earlier a well-regulated market um, Bitcoin is currently the reason folks like it is it is not a well-regulated yes. market yes. but that has led to uh, you know it's that is means it is an area that is very susceptible to uh, fraud and just theft um, there have been a couple of high-profile um, exchanges or places where you might store your Bitcoin, uh, just either disappearing, uh, just having poor internal controls, or they just they just had a blind spot somewhere. And that's part of the point of regulation is just to make sure you're checking off all your boxes and not missing any blind spots. Um, and people have lost a lot of money in various schemes, uh, so to speak. We'll continue our discussion on what you might not want to invest in in just a bit. Do you regret any financial decisions? Well, you're not the only one. After the break, you might be surprised to learn who else has made some bad decisions. You're listening to Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. I'm Professor Richard Gershon from the University of Mississippi School of Law, host of In Legal Terms. If you're enjoying this podcast... I encourage you to listen to In Legal Terms, the show about you and your rights. We find interesting legal topics to bring to you and let you know how the law affects you. Find In Legal Terms on any podcasting platform on your smart device or on our website, inlegalterms.mpbonline.org. to Money Talks, MPB Think Radio's personal finance broadcast. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Nancy Lotridge-Anderson, President of New Perspectives, and Ryder Taft, Portfolio Manager at New Perspectives. They're both chartered financial analysts, and Ryder holds their Certificate in Investment Performance Measurement from the CFA Institute. Do you have regrets about some of your financial decisions? Well, you're not alone. Investor Warren Buffett, the Oracle of Omaha, has regretted quite a few decisions he's made and not made. If you're interested, we'll have a link to a CNBC article on our website, 
uh, moneytalks.mpbonline.org about some of the bad and uh, decisions that Warren Buffett has made. And and understand that he just said he would never buy cryptocurrency. Uh huh. And and I, so I I always love the story. What he said what his one of his biggest regrets was uh, buying actually Berkshire Hathaway um, because he he made an offer to purchase the company. Oh no, he made an offer. He he bought up a bunch of shares because he thought they were undervalued, and he offered to sell them back to the company. And you know he was like, I, you know, I'll sell them back to you for ten dollars. That's you know it's a little discount from the price, but I think they're worth ten dollars, and I think you can pay ten dollars. And the board came back and said, no, we're going to buy them for nine dollars and seventy five cents. And he was just like, what? You know, I can buy this whole company. And then he said, okay, so I will buy the whole company. And so he ended up overpaying ultimately at the end of it when he kept buying shares he, he he felt he ended up overpaying for it and so one of his biggest regrets was overpaying for the company which is now well, well it's all his. attached it's, to it's, him it's yeah his, it's his yeah. company yeah so all right so uh, but, you know i mean i mean that's good think that yeah. you know that not the even wise financial ad, uh, uh, advisors that mm-hmm. make mistakes every once in a while as well the oracle of omaha himself mm-hmm. all right back to the phone lines we go starting again inviting florence from olive branch into our discussion good morning florence go ahead Good morning. My question has to do with filing my income tax. I'm a retired teacher. I usually use TurboTax, but I heard that you can file online for free. Is that possible? Yes, that's absolutely possible. If you make less, I believe the threshold is $66,000. Oh, I'm way under that. Yep, yep. A, a lot of people are. Um, uh-huh. A huge number of taxpayers are. If you make under 66000 you are eligible to file for free. Um, so, last year, there was some uh, great reporting by ProPublica uh, kind of busting up all this um, TurboTax, Quicken, uh, all these different companies who were supposed to be legally, they had an agreement with the IRS to offer this service for free to people who made less than that threshold. Um, and but they, you know, the investigative journalism went, uh, you know, kind of covered the links to which they went to hide this, the links they went to deceive people into and tricking them into paying full price for the service. Uh, right. So now you can find it's the program is called IRS Free File, and okay. so they have. I don't have. The thing in front of me so you know do 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 the research on irs.gov they do have some good information about how who is eligible and how to access the irs free file programs um again that service is provided by you know these private companies but it is a it's a specific thing and you should uh you should be able to file your federal taxes uh for free through them i think one kind of loophole here is that they still can charge you for filing state taxes um so you know watch out for that I will say that, you know, a lot of the information that you use for your federal taxes uh, is going to be the same as what you use for your state taxes. So, you know, if you have, you know, if you kind of want to just get into the weeds a little bit, you can probably do your state taxes. They are a lot simpler than your federal taxes. They just put everything in a different order. Um, But again, I mean, and this is great for all of our listeners, the IRS free file. If you're making under, again, I I think it's under $66,000, I might be higher um, than you are eligible for that. 
and uh, make sure, yeah, just just don't pay them. You don't, you don't need to pay anybody so for that. <laughs> Absolutely. All right, uh, Florence, thanks for your call. Just uh, information for Florence and our other listeners. Uh, the January 14th of this year, uh, we did a show on taxes, and you could go to moneytalks.mpbonline.org to listen back to that episode if you'd like to. My experience with using the <clears throat> tax software, I have not paid in a number of years, There, are, but there are a number of different companies that offer this. Last year, I picked a company, won't name it, got halfway through uh, my my process, and it said, oh, uh, you know, you have that form, so you, you can't get the free one anymore. You have to, you know, bump up and get the, the charged one. Well, I said, well, no, and I went to another company, and I did it for free. And the interesting thing is I'm still getting emails from that original company that keeps saying, oh, sign in to finish your tax returns. Uh, the other interesting thing was I found even another uh, company this year because, again, there was a, fo- a form that I had that the company I was using last year said that they did not work with. <clears throat> so I was doing the, you know, working my way through the my tax return, and I had a question, so I went to the chat, and I typed in something, and I asked a specific question, and the answer I got back was, I'm sorry, I'm not a tax expert. I can't answer that question. And I thought to myself, well, what what good are you? Yeah, you gotta, why are you there? You gotta you gotta pay good money for a tax expert. Well, and I think that that's what it is because the ones that you pay for supposedly you have access to this. And basically, this help was like, you know, fill out this particular form. But if you had a question about how to fill that form out, they're saying, well, we can't help you with that. But anyway, I would say shop around because there are a bunch of ones that uh, offer the free thing and, and make sure that you get what you want. And fortunately, I've also done to where I've done my state tax return for free as well. Um, and so what the income threshold is $69,000, which is nice. Um, and and yes, you can just search. And that's the, per household. Uh, uh, yeah, that would be a household income, uh, $69,000. And uh, just f- the first place to check is irs.gov. Make sure you're starting out in the, the actual authority. Um, you can search for just free file or something like that. And, and the information there will guide you to where you need to go from there. And then I don't know what company it is, but they have that ad where it's just, it's free, 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 free. I'm like, I'm, why? And, I'm, and this is I'm all. I'm skeptical of that one. <laughs> that doesn't sound great. This is online. And so if mm-hmm. somebody out there doesn't have access and have a computer or Internet access, go to your local library. And they mm-hmm. also usually will have all the forms there. Yes. And sometimes even volunteers uh, in yes. libraries there to help you with doing your taxes. There are um, there are a handful of programs the V-I-T-A, mm-hmm. I, I think, mm-hmm. program. Um, I know United Way here does, um, you know, helps with that. Uh, but there are a number of programs to help folks in person with their taxes. Um, if you're planning on doing in person, uh, go go as early as you can. Find out as much information beforehand as you can because you know, those services might get pretty in demand. And since my brother is a public library and I also like to plug libraries, they are an excellent community resource uh, all across Mississippi. Let's move on next. We've got uh, Fletch calling in from Indianola. Good morning, Fletch. Go ahead. Good morning. I got a comment about the cryptocurrency, but the last caller brought up a uh, a question I had. Um, If you do the federal free and only do federal, is there a problem if you don't do the state? I mean, if you don't do the state through that program or you just don't pay your state taxes at all? Well, this is for my sons working part time, mm-hmm. um, and it seems like someone told me they probably don't owe anything. They actually are owed, mm-hmm. so that it, it shouldn't be a problem if they don't do state. 
Actually, the filing threshold for who needs to file for state taxes is, I think, now lower than the federal income tax threshold. Because basically, if you make less than 12000 the standard deduction, uh, on the federal level, you don't even have to file. Uh, that being said, if you paid in, you have to file to get that back. Um, on the state level, I want to say that level might might be around $6,000 just from the different way we do the deduction. Um, so I would just, especially, and if he has paid in state taxes, uh, because, you know, you said he worked part-time, they were clearly withholding something on federal. Um, you know, if he's paid in, he can file and get that back if he doesn't owe it. But I, I would, you know, without without actually kind of, estimating the returns, you know, we, we can't really say. Um, so I would look at doing his state taxes, though, just to see. Because here's Are the thing. What's that? Is there a requirement, you said, if you make more than six that you have to file? Yes. I mean, basically, the requirement is if you owe, you have to file. Um, but... And again, I don't know off the top of my head what those numbers are for the state. Okay. Um, you, you know, but just so you kind of just what I would say is just do the state taxes. And, you know, at that point, you can just and, file them. And if you're doing the federal, you've got all the information. It's pretty easy just yeah. to move that over onto a state form. In that same program? Well, very often, yes. Yeah, I mean, my experience has been, and I've used several different kinds of online software, all of them have the state component to go along with the federal, and I've not paid for any of them for probably three or four years. So if you can find one that's free federal, uh, most of them also include a free state as well. Okay, I thought they were saying when they looked at it that they were going to get charged more to do the state than they were even going to get back. No, not necessarily. Okay. All right. Thank you. Um, question of cryptocurrency. I had to take a call when y'all first mentioned cryptocurrency. Um, so I don't know what you said. Apologize if this is repeating. But were y'all aware that there are ATMs where uh, Bitcoin can be purchased? Wow. <laughs> yes, I have heard of those. Um, there's a friend of mine originally from Gulfport who's been in the ATM industry for probably 30 years or more. Mm-hmm. Uh, for a couple of years, he's been working uh, in Atlanta uh, for a couple of what he said are some brilliant, you know, Gen Xers or maybe millennials uh, that have all the, uh, you know, thought process behind the cryptocurrency. And they have, I think he said, three units. Uh, they got them around the world. I think they got three in Mississippi, one's in Jackson mm-hmm. off of uh, Beasley Atkins. <laughs> Interesting. Wow. Interesting. Yeah, and he said it's still, um, you know, there's there's a lot of requirements and and, uh, and rules and all that they have to comply with. Right. Um, but he said it's still, unfortunately, a relatively shadowy. Yes. Yep. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yes. That's why people like it. It is the Wild West. Yeah. And, and and just to back up a little bit to your tax question from the Department of Revenue, if you are a Mississippi resident or have Mississippi income and the income exceeds the allowable deductions and exemptions, which I, I looked up, I think is around $8,000, you are required to file a return. If you are not required to file a Mississippi return, but have a W-2 saying you paid tax in, you will have to file a return to get that back. So again, if you made 
around or over eight thousand. Uh, plus, bear in mind, Mississippi tax withholding. You know, it's the guidance is not great there, so it could be all over the place. Yeah, I want to get back to this cryptocurrency. Okay, back to cryptocurrency. Right, okay. My apologies. So um, now, where is the one in in Jackson? I want to go find it. Beasley and Atkins. Um, um, it's actually, I think, Briarwood. Um, Briarwood. I think there is a there is a gas station on the east side of the interstate going north. Um, um, I think it's on the same exit with uh, Chili's and mm-hmm. AHA, but just yeah. on the east side. Okay. And I have not been in to look at it, but I'm pretty sure that's the description that he told me. Oh, gosh. I've got to go see this. <laughs> All right, to Fletch, thanks for your call. We'll continue talking about risky investments after a quick break. You think you've made some bad financial decisions? Well, we'll tell you about a gentleman with the distinction of losing the most money in history, almost $70 billion. This is Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. This is Malcolm White with the Mississippi Arts Commission. I'm one of the hosts of the Mississippi Arts Hour, the arts interview show on Think Radio. Every week, myself or one of my fellow hosts bring you in-depth interviews with different creative Mississippians. We talk with visual artists, musicians, writers, as well as people who help bring the arts to their communities. We hear about how each artist learned their craft and get some insight into their creative process. You can hear the Arts Hour every Sunday at 5 p.m. on Think Radio or listen anytime by subscribing to the show through your favorite podcast app. This is Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. We're glad you found our show. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Nancy Lotridge-Anderson, president of New Perspectives, and Ryder Taft, portfolio manager at New Perspectives. Masahashi Sun, a Korean-Japanese technology entrepreneur, investor, and philanthropist, is the second richest man in Japan despite having the distinction of losing the most money in history, approximately $70 billion, during the dot-com crash of 2000. But he still is uh, yes. wealthy? Yes. yes. So, so he's the one. He's uh, raised an absurd amount of money in what he calls the Vision Fund, and I believe another Vision Fund, too, which are like these $100 billion venture capital funds, which um, whenever people are talking about, you know, over, I know we've talked about things like uh, WeWork that was, you know, crazy sky high valuations, you know, he was one of the investors there, actually, probably like the lead investor in a lot of that. Um, So, you know, when we talk about... So he has crazy money. Yeah, well, yeah. And, and some of that is also, uh, you know, uh, investor money, uh, mainly from the Saudis, who also have a lot of money. But I don't think they lose it very often because they're just pumping out oil. Um, so, yeah, so he's he's put a lot of money in some weird areas, I guess. Oh, it must be nice. You know, it's just $70 billion here, it's $70 billion all relative. There. I would, it's all I would relative. love to lose $70 billion <laughs> one day. Uh, back to the phone lines we go. We'll talk to uh, Britt in Vicksburg. Good morning. You're on the air with us. Go ahead. Good morning, and thank you for this program. I listen every week. Great. Thank you. You know, investors always like to get into uh, new areas or trends at the early level when prices are low. What are you hearing from your clients or with your own colleagues about the next great thing to get in, um, 
get in on early. Like some, wow. it's great to get an Apple or Amazon. Yeah. I look forward to hearing your answer. Thank you. Well, uh, I always would tell my students when I was teaching um, that they are the ones who are going to notice the trend first. And so right now I'm bugging Joseph in my office. Joseph, what's coming up next? Uh, what are you guys using? What? Are you, how are you functioning? Um, because as All right, you, Peter Lynch. As you get older, you know, you get more set in your ways. You don't notice those things. And so that younger generation tends to grab on to some new ideas. Now, a lot of that stuff will disappear. So you have to be a little discerning about what you put your money into. Um, but there's always going to be something new. And you know, I'm always reminded, whatever we're talking about today, whether, oh, we think Apple is just the best or Amazon, oh, my gosh, look how rich uh, Jeff Bezos is. Um, uh, 50 years from now, it's going to be a totally different story. Yeah, and and I'm not going to say well what is the next hot stock, um, but you know one really good example of this is uh, Tesla. Um, I. You know, a lot of folks think um, electric cars, you know, this is the future. You know, this is, a you know, a first mover in the area, a very innovative company, really driven by a big egomaniac personality at the top, uh, which is always great when you're getting your company started uh, with a lot of drive. Um, really trying to branch out into kind of being an all-source, you know, battery, alternative energy uh, company. Um, but, you know, I looked at it even, you know, you know, say say a year ago, and you know, okay, so they're selling cars, they're selling battery powered cars. These cars, you know, they cost a little more to make. They're selling them for a premium. That's nice, but I kind of saw the ultimate, you know, and pe- people have been hyping this company up for a long time, and I, and I saw it as, well, you know, what is its value ultimately? Um, you know, they're going to be successful. Other companies are going to make cars. It's a competitive field because there is a lot of car companies out there. I mean, you don't see car ads screaming about deals all the time because they're it's not a competitive field um so i kind of my worry was that you know yes ultimately maybe they are going to be a huge car manufacturer yes ultimately they are going to be a big uh a big impact on the economy but you know are they overpriced now are you paying too much and i felt like and, and the price looked like they're paying too much now that being said the price has gone up like 10 times from where i first looked at it um but that doesn't mean it's you know, it may and it may be the next big thing, or it kind of is becoming the big thing. But again, the price that you pay, you know, I mean, it hit nine hundred dollars the other day. If it ultimately is a very successful company, but only trades at ninety dollars, uh, doesn't make it a good purchase. And I would say uh, the companies that weren't even around twenty or thirty years ago. Facebook, Apple, Amazon, these are now becoming like our blue chip companies. Um, They're hitting sort of this steady part of their growth cycle. And there are going to be others behind them. Um, I think what's interesting to me right now is um, mostly in the medical field and changes that are happening there and breakthroughs. And there are some companies there who will benefit greatly. And uh, Nancy, you earlier were talking about sort of the younger generation and keeping an eye on that. And I believe doesn't that set have a lot of disposable income? So might it be a good idea to kind of watch what's what's popular in 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 their eyes, what they're buying, that sort of thing. Well, if they have disposable income. It's because it's their parents' disposable <laughs> income, or it's because they're uh, they're a, they're a, a social media influencer, as yes. we were just talking yes. in the break. Yeah, that uh, a lot of money to be made there. Uh, you know, if you have a million followers on YouTube, even if you only get a penny per every time someone looks at one of your yeah, it's videos crazy. that's that's a lot of cash yeah. 
All right, that's going to wrap us up for today. Money Talks is a production of MPB Think Radio, funded in part by the generous financial support from listeners like you. To hear today's show or previous show, you can find it at moneytalks.mpbonline.org. Or you can listen to the podcast. Just search for Money Talks on your favorite podcasting app. Our show is produced by Liz Gill, and our call screener was Java Chapman. So for Dr. Nancy Botter-Janderson and Ryder Taft, I'm Kevin Farrell, inviting you to join us every Tuesday at 9 for Money Talks. It's heard only on MPB Think Radio. Support for MPB comes from Trustmark, a financial partner for businesses throughout the South for 130 years. Trustmark offers a range of products and services designed to help small businesses efficiently manage finances. More info at Trustmark.com, member FDIC.